appreciate you being back, and we thank the Lord for you being here this morning, and uh, we are grateful for all that he's done. Amen. And uh, as we look into the Word of God this morning, we pray that God would look into us. Often when I read the Bible, before I read, I'll pray, God, as I open up your Word, you open up my heart. That's what I ask the Lord this morning to do. Lord, as we open your Word, we open up our heart. Here in Galatians chapter 2, this morning in verse 20, Galatians chapter 2, And verse 20, as we stand to our feet one more time here this morning, I know sometimes it may seem that we're up and down and in and out and all around, and uh, but we're about to sit down for just a moment for the Word of God. And so as we read it this morning, I pray that you'd get a Bible. We have them in the back of the last pew back there if you don't have a Bible. And to open it up to God's holy, precious Word. And that you would look into it with us as we read. Uh, That would be the right thing to do. Here in verse 2, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus this morning, and I humbly come to you with a submissive heart, God, with a surrender in my soul, God, a surrendering all that I am to you this morning, God, just leaning on you and asking for the help of the Lord as we bring forth the Word of God. I recognize, dear God, my frailty. I recognize this morning, God, my being undeserving and unworthy. God, to be able to take the precious holy word of God, and God, to even read it. God, to even bring forth what you've laid on our hearts this morning. God, I'm humbled by you even making me what you've made me, and choosing me as you chose me this morning. And yet today, dear God, you get the glory, and you get the honor for all the things that are going to be done today. Praise your holy name. Lift up this morning, dear God, the name of Jesus, and may your word go forth into the hearts of those who, dear God, this morning who want to receive it, and those this morning who desire to have it, we pray, Lord, that you'd meet with them, and then those this morning who don't care to have it, and don't care to receive it, don't even care to hold it in their hands and read upon it, I pray, God, that you'd have mercy upon them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, five words to salvation. Five words to salvation. And we find that these five words will describe, it will tell the story, it will give the whole of what salvation is all about. And it's right here in verse verse 20. Uh, It says, but Christ liveth in me. Those five words describe salvation. It describes what salvation of the Bible talks about and teaches about. If those five words don't describe your walk with God, you can't be saved. If those five words do not identify you today in the world in which you live, then today you're not the Christian you think that you are. I want to say on a subtitle that don't waste the life of Christ. Do you know you can do that? Don't waste the life of Christ. That ought to be a concern for us this morning. It's not only our life, but the life of Christ. What are we doing with that life? That life that's been given to us, that life that's still here amongst us today, what are you doing with the life of Christ? You see, that's what Christianity is all about this morning. It's not you living a life. It's Christ living a life in you. It's not what you do. It's what he does through you. See, Christianity today is not your effort. It's not your energy. It's not all about your works. It's not all about your hooray. And it's not all about what you say. And it's not all that you achieve. It's Christ in you. That's Christian life today. 
Now, we don't hear much of that anymore. We don't talk about it any longer because many times when people come to be saved, they are the one the focus is on. It seems like today that when sinners come to Christ or so-called come to Christ, that they get the glory. They come as a drunkard. They come as an abuser. They come as a, a, a sinner. And when they get before Christ, they get before the congregation, it's how that I was all that and how I was this and I was that. And now I come and I want Jesus to be my Savior, my Lord. And, and then the testimony for that now on is I was an old drunk. And I was, I was lost without God, and, and I'd done this, and I'd done that. And they say, wow, what a testimony. And yet Christ never gets glory. You see, salvation is not about us. Salvation's about Jesus. Salvation is not what we've done in God, but what God's done in us. Salvation is Christ liveth in me. You see, that's the five words this morning that brings us to salvation is, but Christ liveth in me this says it all there's nothing to be added to it there's nothing to be subtracted from it the question that you may ask yourself this morning is is Christ living in me is my life Christ living in me is who I am this morning Christ being who he is through me is Christ as he says that he is from me and my, is my life identified, is my life surrounded, is my life in the middle of Christ? Christ is the one this morning that is what brings forth our eternal life. And it's Christ that runs and lives within us today that makes us a Christian. Many a times today, Christ doesn't have any kind of showmanship within the person Christ is never manifested in the individual. Christ is never revealed in the life of that one who says they're saved. Do you think if Christ lived in you, you wouldn't carry a Bible? Do you think if Christ lived in you, that you wouldn't pick up a songbook and sing it? If you think that Christ lived in you, that you would come to the house of God and be faithful? Wouldn't you think if Christ lived in you that you would love the Scripture and love the preaching of God's Word and love the church where God has died for it? Wouldn't you do that if Christ was in you? Oh, I say to you, friend, the very essence of salvation, the very proof of being born again, the very truth of eternal life is Christ in you this morning. And the question is, is Christ living in you? Or is this Christ in heaven, living in heaven this morning? Or is Christ living unknown? Where does Christ dwell? He dwells in us. Amen. That's what makes you saved this morning, is Him living in us. Salvation is Christ living in me. The first thing I want you to notice about salvation this morning is the person of this salvation. This salvation is what I want to use as a way of a term. I don't want to say just salvation because there's different thoughts and different opinions according to salvation. Some people say salvation is, is made by works, right? You work your way to heaven, uh, that you believe upon Christ, and then you do confirmations, and you do affirmations, and you have all this life. Uh, that you live in order to be saved, but it's just not Christ and Him alone. And then some say that you got to get baptized as a baby or get baptized uh, at church or baptized in a lake or just get baptized sometimes in your life in order to be saved. Some say that being saved is being part of an independent fundamental Baptist church. Some say that being saved is having your membership in a church. Some say that being saved is that you're good to your neighbor and you're, you're friends to the, to the unfriendly and you love the unlovable. And so there's all these thoughts and all this mindset this morning in all the world. And when you go to Google, you can find it. You can say, what is salvation? And boy, Google will give you all kinds of, of words and all kinds of phrases and all kinds of a hundred ways to be saved and, and what this means by salvation. And salvation is this and salvation is that. But salvation isn't none of that except they say, but Christ liveth in me. That's salvation. 
And so if I'm this morning that this salvation is the true salvation, then it's going to be based upon a person. Based upon, I had a guy or girl called me this week, and she said to me, she said, hey, I've been listening to you on the, on the sermon audio and those kind of things, and, and, uh, and I've been listening to what you've been saying, and I really want to be saved. I really want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Matter of fact, I just told Jesus, Jesus, I repent of my sin, and I want you to save me. But he hasn't saved me. And I'm not understanding why he won't save me. And so she goes about of all the things that she's done and, and all the things that she knows of the Scripture. And, and it was about an hour and a half long conversation. She spoke, you wouldn't believe this, but she spoke about an hour and 25 minutes. I mean, she was just a going and telling me all the things she's doing for salvation, this and that and the other. And at the end of it, she said, now, I'm so glad that you're just listening. I said, well, I like to listen. And she said, okay, now, what do you think? I said, what I think is that salvation is in a person. She said, I never knew that. She said, I thought it was in repentance. I thought it was in belief. I thought it was just believing the death, burial, and resurrection. I thought it was just living a life that is, you know, according to the Word of God. And I said, well, that's an hour and 25 minutes you told me that. I said, but after you telling me that and after you doing all this and all this stuff in your life, you're still telling me that why God hadn't saved you. And the reason why God is not going to ever save you through all of that is because the salvation is with a person. It's a person that saves you. And you have to repent to the person. You have to put faith in the person. And it's the person this morning. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 uh, that it is faith in his blood. She said, I got it. I said, well, now you can get saved then. She said, thank you, Brother Larry. And she hung up. And so we find this morning the person of this salvation uh, is not anybody except the loving Lord. The loving Christ. Look in the scripture. The Bible says, and the last portion of that, it says, who loved me. See, this, this, this salvation I'm speaking of this morning is the person of the salvation, is the loving Christ. It's the loving Christ. That word love there, it means an un unconditional love. And the only way that you and I can be truly saved this morning is because of the loving Christ that has entered into our lives. The loving Christ that we were introduced to through the preaching of God's Word. It was the loving Christ that we heard and that we knew and we understood and came to, to, to look upon and came to be attracted of. And what attracted us to Jesus is His love. That how would somebody love me who in my worst state, in my sinful condition, when I am depraved, when I'm the son of Adam, and a falling depravity and vice of life, there's nothing but in me that's any good. I'm sinful, and I'm sinful by birth, and I'm sinful by choice. And But why would God even look at me? Why would God even consider me? Why would God even come after me? Why would God even call me? Why would God even save me? I'm going to tell you why. Because of the loving Christ, the unconditional love. Agape love. It's unconditional. It don't matter what color you are. It don't matter what sin you're in. It don't matter what gender. It don't matter what sex. It don't matter what country. It don't matter what you said, what you did. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you know. It doesn't no matter where you've been. It doesn't no matter where you're going. It just matters of the loving Christ that He loved you unconditionally. Are you glad that Christ can live in me? Because of a love that's unconditional. Now remember now, not because you loved him, because he loved you. Amen. And while he loved us unconditionally, I want you to notice today that that love that he had for us, he loved me, it was an unchanging love. In other words, when Jesus started loving you, when that love began to come for you and towards you, uh, it didn't change at all. It didn't matter if you said, Lord, I don't want you in my life. 
Lord, I don't care to believe upon you. Lord, I want to go in a different direction. I, I don't matter. I want to sin and live, live it up. I, I'm not interested in changing. I'm not interested in leaving my sin. I'm not interested in, in doing what you might ask me to do. I don't want the Word of God. I don't like going to church. I don't want to hear the preaching. I don't want to do what is right. I want to live my own. I want to be just like I am. And God was looking upon us. He says, I love you in anyhow I love you anyway oh when you spit in God's face and shook your hand in his face and said I don't care if you died and buried and resurrected I don't care if you what you've done on the cross of Calvary I don't care what you've done in my life I want to live my own life God says I still love you and I love you today, and I love you tomorrow, and I love you the next day, and for all of eternity, there's nothing you can say, nothing you can do, there's nothing you can become. I love you. Unchanging. I'm talking about He loved me. Unchanging. I say thirdly here, unceasing. Unceasing love of the love of Christ. It never will end. It doesn't matter how rebellious you get. It doesn't matter how stubborn you are. It doesn't matter how much disbelief you display. And it doesn't matter this morning of how many times you say no to God. His love for you will never cease. It's unconditional. It's unchanging. It's unceasing. Now where are you going to go this morning to have somebody to love you? like that you can't find a man on this earth you can't find a woman on this earth you can't find a husband or a wife you can't find children or mom or daddy today to ever love you unconditionally unceasingly and unchanging ever ever where are you going to go and this morning if you're not saved you have opportunity this morning to have this salvation into your life and I just want you to notice the person of this salvation is the loving Christ. The loving Christ. Can I say number two? Not only the loving Christ, but the, the laying down Christ. The Bible says uh, there in that same verse, verse 20, it says, And gave himself for me. Gave himself for me. It gets a little personal, don't it? Jesus loved me. He loved me with an unconditional, unchanging, and unceasing love. But then he laid down his life for me. If we, you, and I were the only ones living, everybody else was dead, and you were the only one living, Jesus would say this to you, I love you, and I gave myself for you. If you were the only one. If there was none others today that needed to be saved and you were the only one, he says, I will do it for you. Wow. What a Savior. What a Lord. What a God. I tell you this morning, there's no greater one than he is. Amen. For he was the one, as he says in 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And, he, and he, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Can the Bible say in verse 20, gave himself, gave. See, when you love, you give. That's just automatic. Love, give. For God so loved the world that he gave. And friend, when you finally begin to love Jesus, guess what you'll do? You'll give. Nobody have to tell you to come to church. Nobody have to tell you to pick up a songbook. Nobody have to tell you to bring a Bible. Nobody have to tell you to 
get ready, let's go. Nobody tells you to stop looking like you're going down to the uh, PlayStation or going down there to the ballpark or going down the You're going to dress up so accordingly, amen. And you're going to come, you're going to present yourself as God would have you present yourself. And when you get here, you'll raise your voice unto God in the way of song and you'll be attentive to the Word of God. You'll open up your Bible and you'll begin to praise and worship Him, amen. That's what happens, friend, when you get saved and born again. This salvation, who He loved me, He laid down His life for me as well. Amen. And so we're saying this morning, there'll be have to no push and shove. I don't know. I've been saved a little while now. But I remember when I got saved on October 30th, 1988, nobody had to tell me to come to church. Nobody would tell me to get me a Bible. Nobody would tell me to sing in the song service. Nobody would tell me whenever there's things going on like cutting the grass or cleaning the church or, or having some sort of activity going on. Nobody had to come tell me nothing, amen. I just knew within my heart, God, God, you changed me. And this salvation is Christ living in me. And boy, you loved me, gave himself for me, and I'm going to give my life to you in whatever capacity that it is, amen. I got some weariness, and I've got some uh, concern with people today that you constantly got to just keep on telling them. Keep on putting at them. Keep on trying to encourage them. Bring your Bible now. Come to church now. Sing now. Let's do right now. Got to give you tithe and offerings. And you got missionaries you support. Come on now. We, we just got to keep on doing that. There's a problem when you constantly have to tell somebody, come on now, let's just get it right. Come on, let's just do it right. Something's wrong, amen. That's not Christ living in me. Amen, Brother Larry. I know we just got out of Thanksgiving, and probably this is not, we should have a little sweet, sweet potato message this morning. We should have some sort of like, you know, like a little dessert. Boy, I tell you what, that pecan pie, uh, with all that whipped cream. Now, I'll tell you what I did do to stay true. I got the whipped cream that's sugar-free. Hey, man, bro, that's something right there. That's taking a step further. That's like going the extra mile. I bet some of you ate the pecan pie with the sugary. No, you push that button. Man, it just comes out. Jesus gave. This morning, what that means this morning in verse 20, where it says he gave himself for me, uh, that word gave means he surrendered himself as a sacrifice. Now, I will tell you this love that I'm speaking of that Jesus did for you is that he surrendered. Now, when Jesus came, he was born of a virgin. And within that virgin, the Bible says, I call his name Emmanuel, meaning what? God with us. And so when Jesus was born, he wasn't created. Uh, he became a man by the way of flesh, right? That God became man and dwelt among us. And so within the womb of Mary was God, Emmanuel, in flesh. And when he came forth, and as he was going to the cross of Calvary, and friend, it wasn't uh, that the Roman soldiers uh, could arrest him. It wasn't uh, that they could come and put him on the cross. It wasn't that the power of darkness would come through and bring him, put him as a crucifixion. It was, though, that Jesus, the God of heaven, the Lord of earth, has surrendered himself to be the sacrifice for the sins of the people. Does not think this morning that the government of Rome had great power. Let's not think this morning that all the hell could rise up against Jesus and throw him upon the cross of Calvary. Friend, he surrendered himself for the sacrifice of men. He gave himself. Talking about the person of this salvation. It means surrender. I tell you secondly this morning what it means. It means that Jesus Christ gave himself in the way that he committed himself as the substitute. When Jesus came to the cross of Calvary and when he gave himself for me, he came to me as a substitute. You know who deserved to die on the cross of Calvary? I did. You know whose sin uh, that was sacrificed for on the cross of Calvary? My sin. You know who should have died and suffered and went straight to hell? Me. And you know what this morning as I look at that? And Jesus was one who committed himself. That's what the word gave means. He committed himself to be the substitute. 
He loved me and gave himself for me. I'm talking about the person of the salvation. He was the one who came to the place and surrendered to be the sacrifice. He came to the place and committed himself to be the substitute. Can I say here thirdly, that he was one that came to the place where that he just decided in his heart and, that it, and before the world even began that I will be delivered as a servant. He came as a servant. He came to serve you and me. He came this morning to, to, to come and not to be served, but to serve. He's the master servant. Amen. We find this morning, even if it required death, Jesus said, I will be the servant, even though it required death. He said, I'll do that. Not will I do that, but I'll do it joyfully. And not only that, but even if it required suffering. As Jesus there in heaven, uh, the Bible teaches us that he was rich and then he became poor so that you and I can become rich. Amen. And so while he was there, uh, the plan of God uh, was that he sent forth his son and his son would die, but his son would suffer. And as a servant that Jesus was to us, he said, I'll die for you. And I will suffer for you. I will pay the price. I will do everything and anything it takes for me to take that suffering so you don't have to suffer. I will take the sword. I'll take the nail. I'll take the spit. I'll take the sorrow. I'll take the agony. I'll take the shame. I'll take the sin. I'll take the, I'll take the very wickedness and transgressions of all men, and especially yours, and I will suffer for it so that you will know that I'm a servant to you. Even though he suffered, even though through death, and even though we find Jesus being in the place of shame, he took our shame. So we know this morning he gave. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 says, Who bring, being, bringing the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself as a no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Can I say to you this morning, the person of this salvation is the laying down Christ, the loving Christ, and then lastly, the person of this salvation that we're speaking of in chapter 2 of verse 20 of Galatians is the living Christ. Not only the loving Christ, the laying down Christ, but the living Christ. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18, John comes in eye contact in the presence of Jesus after he done died was buried he arose he said this to John he says I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore this person this morning in which you and I can say that we can be saved or this salvation is a living Christ a Christ that, yes, did die on the cross of Calvary, but he arose on the third day. We are talking about a risen Savior. We're talking about a Savior that's alive. We're talking about one that has done something that nobody else has ever done. If you would like to worship a Muhammad, he's still dead. Amen. If you would like to worship a Buddha, he's still dead. If you'd like to worship uh, any other cult, uh, one who's in charge there, uh, they're still dead. Amen. Uh, you can go through all the line of men who founded religions, who founded denominations, who's done all that they've done in all the relations of a religion today, and the only one out of all of them is Jesus Christ who has arisen. Amen. He's arise. means he's alive today. He's living. We're talking about the person of this salvation is a living Christ. He arose. But not he arise, but he's living. He lives amongst us. He lives in all of heaven. He's on all of the earth. He's ever present. 
He's ever-knowing. He's ever-potent. He's ever-powerful. He is the God of all gods and the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He's the very King of glory. He's alive. And Fred, can I say to you, I can't even say it better than anything else this morning except that Jesus is living. That's the person of this salvation. He's living. But then can I say that he's not only alive, but that he is active. We're not talking about a God sitting on a shelf. We're not talking about a God that's made out of ceramic and wood and, and rock and metal and glass. We're not talking about any of the gods that might be on statutes today or might be within churches today that might be out there in the fields or someplace somewhere, maybe in the homes of people today. We're talking about a God that is active. He is in charge of the world. He knows exactly what's going to take place tomorrow. He knows exactly what's going on today. He's already pre-planned and pre-prepared anything and everything that's going to move forward from this day forward today. Nothing's out of sort. Nothing is out of the way. Everything is arranged. Everything's perfectly in order. And that's the God of this salvation. That's the person this morning. His name is Jesus. Does he live in you? That's the question. Not do you live in him, but does he live in you? But this morning, not only do we see the person of this salvation, I want you to notice the place of this salvation. Where does this salvation take place? Texas. I often tell people when they leave Texas, I say, man, didn't you feel the glory depart? When you cross that line going into Louisiana, when you cross that line going to Oklahoma, when you cross that line uh, going to Colorado, going to New Mexico, did you, did, you, did you actually feel the glory of God departing out of you when you left Texas? That's what I ask them. Sometimes they say, yeah. Sometimes they tell the truth. They may. But the fact of the matter is, where is the place of this salvation? Does it happen in the church? Does it happen at home? Does it happen in the streets? Where is the place of this salvation? Well, the place of this salvation, according to the Scripture in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, the Bible says, and that, but Christ liveth in me. In me is the place. That's where salvation happens. That's where salvation takes place. In me. You see, many of people think salvation takes place outside of you. Because it's the way you live. It's how you can how you conform yourself and how that you present yourself and the things that you do in your life and the things that you have within your life. And I no longer drink. I no longer cuss. I, know, I, I go to church. I do things that are right. And you go through all this process of 100 do's and 100 don'ts. And, and you check off the list as you go by. And I'm checking all this off. And all this is outward stuff. All this stuff is on the outside of where salvation takes place. Salvation takes place in me. We got to know that. You know, when somebody really gets saved, they may be sitting right there where Brother Chris is sitting, and I give an invitation, and I say, won't you come and give Christ your heart? He gives his heart right there. Soon as he puts his faith in Christ right there, when he comes down here, he's already saved. There's many folks who got saved driving your car. You got saved at home. You got saved in other places. You come to the church and say, Brother, I want to be saved. And you really already saved. And so we find that this salvation takes place in me. It takes place in you. Amen? We got to know that this morning. Because many people think that this salvation comes about on the outside and then it has something to do with what you do so that's why you can lose it let me just say it like this you cannot lose Jesus Christ in you he don't decide to come out of you 
you do something wrong, you say, oh, no, I'm not staying right there. And so he goes out, then all of a sudden you got to come back to him and say, oh, would you please come in, please come in. Oh, pretty please. Okay, I'll come in this time, but you got to stop what you're doing. Okay, agree. He comes back in, and you come back, I got saved, I got saved. Next thing you do something wrong, and boy, he's out again. That sound like a salvation? They, they, a lot of people believe that. But not this salvation. This salvation's place is in me. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and look there in about verse 9. Keep your finger there in Galatians. We're back here. But Romans chapter 8, verse 9, a great chapter. If you have a chapter you don't know what to read, uh, read this chapter, Romans chapter 8. Look in verse 9. And I want you to notice the word dwell in you. And I want you to notice the, re- the word in you. How many times it's mentioned right here? Verse 9, but ye are not of the flesh, or in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Talking about Christians. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. That's the key. Not that the Spirit fills you, or the Spirit comes about you, but the Spirit dwell in you. We go and say, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, what Spirit? The Spirit of Christ. You mean the Spirit of God's the Spirit of Christ? Yeah. So Christ in you is Christ's Spirit in you. Yes. Go on and say it. He says, and if Christ be in you, who's in you? Christ be in you. The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies, his spirit that dwelleth in you. It's very clear, very plain, that if the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ dwelleth in you, that's the place of salvation. Is in you. It's not when you pray a prayer. It's not when you join a church. It's not whenever you have a favor toward God. It's not when you make your New Year's resolution. That's coming up soon. It's not any of that. It's when Christ dwells in you. That's where salvation takes place. That's when you get born again. We find there in John chapter 14 verse 20. Jesus said it like this, at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And John chapter 4, in verse, 1 John 4 verse 15 says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Wait a minute. Who is in us? God is in us. The Spirit of God is in us. Well, who is that? Christ, Christ is in us. For you that say that Jesus is not God, you're wrong. You're not correct. For the Bible teaches that who's in us for the way of salvation is the Spirit of God, is God, is Christ. All three are one. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And these three are one, 1 John 5, 7. Amen. Jesus said in John 10, verse 30, he said, I and my Father are one. Salvation takes place where? In here. When Jesus Christ dwells in me. Ephesians chapter 3, turn there with me. Just one chapter to the right of Galatians. Look in verse 17. Again, I'm just trying to hone in on what this place of salvation, of this salvation takes place. Verse 17 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ with passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory 
and the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This is the place of salvation in your hearts by faith. That's where you get saved. Amen. Thirdly, there's the power of this salvation. So what happens whenever you find the person of the salvation? And the person of the salvation comes to the place of the heart. And now you become saved. You'll find there is a power of the salvation. He says there in number one, that I would die with Christ. Look there in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. This is the power of this salvation. I, I, I challenge anybody in this room that would go around saying to anybody, I'll die, I'll die, I'll die for you. Now, we say that, but they don't. How many people have come to you in your lifetime and said, you know what, I'll die for you? How many in your lifetime have you said to somebody, I'll die for you? But when Jesus Christ is the one in which saves your soul, and he's the one that comes into your heart by faith, he's the one this morning that is the person and the place is within you, you're going to find a power to be crucified with Christ. That is an automatic a reaction and response to Christ every single time. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, what he's saying this morning is this, is I am crucified. That word crucified means I drive down the stakes. Did you know it meant that? I drive down the stakes. And when you say, I am crucified with Christ, you're saying that I have driven down the stakes. I am set and settled, and I am right here with Christ. I'm not going to pull my stakes up. I'm not going to remove my, my tent. I am crucified with Christ. My stakes are down. I am permanent. I am there. I'm not moving. I'm not leaving. I'm stuck right here with Christ. I'm crucified with him. And I have died with Christ. Galatians chapter 5. And look at verse 24. We read it this morning in the Sunday school. The Bible says, And they that are Christ, apostrophe S, ownership. Christ owned you. The Bible says, Have crucified the flesh. With the affections and the lust. I have laid down the stakes with my affections. I've laid down the stakes with my lust. They're no longer going to control me. They're no longer going to be what they want to do in my life. They are not the master of me. They are no longer the one who's going to run and rule my life. No affection, no, no lust, no desire, no pleasure. They have now been laid down. I have put down the stakes. No longer am I going to live that way. Amen. Look in Galatians chapter 6. Another wonderful scripture concerning this same word. Looking about verse 14 uh, this morning. The Bible says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. I have set down the stakes. I have laid them down. I have driven them in the ground. I'll not allow the world to dictate who I am. I'll not allow the world in its philosophy, in its religion, in its psychology. I'll not allow the world in all of its fashions, in all of its fads, in all of its fakeness, amen, to make me who I am. I have put down the stakes. I've been crucified unto the world and the world crucified unto me. I'm talking about real truth Christianity today. The very person of this salvation, the place of this salvation, the power. There's no other power in all of heaven that would look at your lust and look at your look at your pleasures and look at your affections and look at the world and say, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with that. What in the world can give you that power? Nobody. There's the power of a spouse, but they can't make you do that. 
they might dictate your life. They might, they might act like they're a dictator of your life. And, and they might tell you where you can go and where you can't go and what you can buy and what, you, what you're going to buy and how you're going to act and what you're going to wear. You might have that dictator as a husband, I guess you might say. Or you might have that dictator as a woman who controls your every minute, your every moment. you got to call where you're going. you got to take pictures of where you're at. Uh, you gotta, you got to let them know every move that you make because they're dictators of your life. friend. You may be there. You may have that. But, friend, none of that and all of its strengths and all of the powers that within that relationship can ever do where you say, you know what? I'm going to lay down the stakes toward this world. I'm going to lay down the stakes toward this lust. I'm going to lay down the stakes toward this affection. None of them. Only Christ. But Christ liveth in me. I'm talking about real salvation this morning. I don't know what others may have, but this is what the Bible teaches about the salvation that you and I have. And it is this morning that I would die with Christ. Number two, the power of this salvation is I will live with Christ. I'll live by Christ. He says in verse 20 of chapter 2 of Galatians, he says, I am crucified with Christ. That's the power of this salvation. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's the person and the place. And the life, and the life. You need to circle that. It's starting new right there. That's starting fresh right there. That, that, that right there is saying that everything behind me is now different than everything before me. And now the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. That I would live by Christ. How are you going to live? I'm going to live by the faith of the Son of God. That's how I'm going to live. I'm talking about the power of salvation, of this salvation. What other power can make you live according to the faith of the Son of God but Him? Many people tried God. You ever heard that? I, I tried that. I've been there, done that. Oh, I went to church for a while. I did nothing for me. Oh, yeah, I've been under the King James Version Bible. Yeah, I was there. I sung those hymns. Oh, yeah, I went through that process. Yeah, I grew up in a home that went to the church. But when I got 18, when I got 19, when I get on my own, but I'm splitting it out of here because I've done that, been there, it done nothing for me. Well, that's true. It did nothing for you because you have nothing in you. That's why it did nothing for you. Because if you had something in you, there would be a power that you would live by the faith of the Son of God. You see, in your own power, you'll never live by the faith of the Son of God. Ever. You might try to live like your parents. You might try to live like your grandma and grandpa. You might try to live like the church that you attended. You might be trying to live like the Google would say how you are to live as a Christian. But to live the life by faith of the Son of God, you can't live that way unless you have the power. It takes the power to do that. To live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, that's a major statement. To uh, to live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You don't even live by your own faith. Isn't that something? It, it, you, you cannot live a Christian life by your faith. You have to live the Christian life according to His faith. It's by the faith of the Son of God. That word faith means the same. It's persuasion. And let me say it like this. As Jesus was persuaded... Of God, so shall ye be. That's the faith of the Son of God. As much as Jesus, who believed and known and understood of God because he was, is the same faith that you'll live by of his faith. I'm persuaded. The word faith means persuaded. I'm persuaded of God. How much so are you persuaded of God? As much as Jesus is. Isn't that good? Not only does that word faith mean persuaded, but it means committed. I'm committed unto Jesus, unto God, as equal to as Jesus was committed to his Father. Now, if you study the Bible, you'll find that not one time did Jesus ever rebel. 
Not one time did Jesus ever, ever come to a place that, you know what, Lord? I just don't want to do your will. I'm not going to do your will. It's not about your will. But he's always in the way of the scripture as you read it. I, to do the will of the Father. Not my will, Lord, but thine will. You know what? I'm here to please the Father. I'm going to do everything the Father asks me to do. I will be obedient. I'll be faithful. And see, that's the faith of the Son of God that when it enters into your life, you'll find that as He was committed, so shall ye be committed as well. If you're just working off of your faith, your faith will crumble. Now, can you imagine this morning for those who say you can lose your salvation is that when you get faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that you get faith of the Son of God that comes in you and now you're committed as Jesus is committed and all of a sudden you do something to lose your salvation and next thing you know the faith of the Son of God's removed from you? Does that make sense to anybody? That persuasion you had before, you know, some people say, you know, I've been in church for several years now. I, I just, I think different now. I believe different now. These things in my life happened, and you know what? I used to believe that, but I don't believe that anymore. You know what? So I don't need to go to church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need to live that Christian life like you say that I do because I have changed. My mind has changed. You say, well, what happened to them? They lost their salvation? No, they never had it. I don't care if they're 20 years in it. You do not lose the commitment as Christ had to the Father and that faith that's in you, do not lose it. Right. Or the scripture, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 is just fraud. It's fake. And the life that I now live, how you live it? By the faith of the Son of God. What does that mean? Well, I'm persuaded of God as Christ was persuaded because it's His faith. I am persuaded I am committed, and that word also means, it means reliance. I am reliant upon God as Christ was. I am trusting God as Christ did. I am convicted of God as Christ was. All faith that I have, none of it is mine. Every bit of the faith that saved my soul is the faith of the Son of God. Amen. There's no way anybody in this room can generate faith. There ain't nobody. You can't go buy it. I know Amazon has a lot of things on it, but faith ain't one of them. You know, you can go to eBay. eBay can get a ton of things. Amen. Am, uh, but not faith. You go to right now, like Home Depot and, and all those other places out there. Uh, they have they have tons of stuff, right? Because Christmas is coming, and they just push Thanksgiving out of the way. By the way. Just boom, move that thing out of the way. They were real big. Have you, did you notice? They were real big on Halloween because that's the devil's day. And they were just blasting with Halloween. And then Thanksgiving, which is the truest of God, they just <laughs> roll that thing out of the way. And now they come up here with Santa Claus and the Christmas tree and, and reindeer and Rudolph and, and everybody else and Grinch. You got old Grinch, man. I watched the Grinch the other day, the cartoon side. I can't watch, I can't watch hardly nothing, man, because everything seems to be so, so wrong. Look, do you ever get a chance to watch Grinch? Cartoon? Animated? Try it. He got his heart right, old Grinch did. He come down, he's stealing everything, man. He's stealing, he's stealing the presents. He's, stealing the, he's going down there stealing the, the tree. He, he even stole the turkey. He went into, he went into the, the refrigerator stealing everything out of the refrigerator. I mean, that poor dog he had, he was abusing and using that dog. And, uh, but anyway, he had everything. He's going through those homes. He's taking presents. He's even taking the whole tree, shoving them up through that chimney there. And he's putting it out on his, putting it out on his, he, he got that tail. And that whole town came out. And uh, did y'all, have you ever seen the, the cartoon? You seen it? Am I telling the truth? Okay. And then, and then whenever he did all that, he's looking down at them. They come out of their homes, and they're in a circle holding hands, singing songs of joy. God got a hold of Grinch's heart right there. He said, what? They're happy down there. I got all the presents. And they're, they're, they're out there singing. And it showed, he showed his heart, right picture of his heart. He had a little bit of heart, now he got a big heart. He got a heart change. 
he come down, you know what he did? He gave everything back. I know it's a silly illustration and stupid at that. But it does tell the story. Even in Grinch. And you might be a Grinch. There's still hope for you, Grinch. That maybe somehow, some way, this morning, that you can live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. The power. The power of that. Oh, can I say this in the way of closing? That I would live in Christ. He says, I live. See that verse 20? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. That means he lives physically. That means he lives in Adam. All right? So, he, so when, you, when you die with Christ, don't mean you die physically or in Adam. You, you live. All right? So he says, I, I'm living naturally. I'm still living. He says, nevertheless, I live. That means, that word live means lifetime. He said, so whenever I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. I'm going to live a lifetime. However, the time that God allots me to live. Bible says every man's steps are ordered, right? And Bible always talks about our days are numbered, right? Everybody has days that are numbered. And so some people are further down the chart than others. And so we find today that that word life means lifetime. So as natural, as you see us today, natural, uh, we're living, and yet we've been crucified with Christ, right? We've put down the stakes. The Bible says, number two, not only I live naturally, but now I live spiritually. He says, and the life, in verse 20, I live, that's natural, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life, that's spiritual now. He says, I live I live naturally in the flesh, but I live spiritually because Christ liveth in me. The difference between natural life and spiritual life is Christ living in you. That's the only difference. It's Christ living in you. The presence of his salvation is which I now live. Salvation is a new life. Do you see that in verse 20? Which I now live in the flesh. It's a new life. The old life is gone. This is a new life. Never lived this life before. If you're a Christian and say, boy, I lived like this before, then you've never been born again. It's a life never lived before. It's a life that you never experienced before. See, this Christian life is new in that you've never had any type of life like this before. And you need to consider whether Christ is living in you because if Christ is living in you, you're living a life he's living through you as if you, like you never lived before. Every day is a new day with those who Christ liveth in, right? I've never been in this life before. Hallelujah, amen. But if you are living today and you say, well, I used to live like that like 10 years ago. You know, I, I, I walked like that, you know, a few years ago. Something's wrong with the picture. For the life that I now live. Now is a new life, but then it's a now life. It's now. It's what's going on right now. We don't care if you taught a Sunday school class 10 years ago. We, we don't care if you gave thousands of dollars to missions a year ago. And we don't even really care. You was real faithful up to three months ago. How about now? See, God looks at now. What's going on now? Is Christ living in you now? It's a now salvation. Now, right now. Not later. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not when you get 30. Not when you get 40. Not when you get older. It's now. Now opposes to later. Now opposes to soon. Now opposes to coming. One of these days I get it, my act together. One day, one of these days I, I serve the Lord. One of these days I, I get it. That's not the salvation of this salvation. This salvation is now. Right now. Right now, I have come to Christ. And me coming to Christ, I can say that Christ liveth in me. Is that so? I pray that it is. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Christ liveth in me. The presence of this salvation is now. You'll know it right now. That question that would resonate into your mind and through your heart this morning, does Christ liveth in me? That either bring conviction or it will bring comfort. 
Does Christ liveth in you? What does it bring to you? Does it bring confidence and courage? Yes. Yes, he lives in me. The power I have now is to live by the faith of the Son of God. Is that the case for you? Are you still on the edge? You're still on the fence. You're still trying to figure out whether you want to be saved or not. You got people praying for you that you too be saved, and you, you say that you are saved. You're living in confusion. I'd be real worried this morning if somebody said to me, Brother, I'm praying for you that you'd be saved. That's concerning. Where do you stand this morning? Where do you stand? People who love you and care for you will be praying for you. Does Christ live in you? That's the only question you got to answer. Not did you pray a prayer? Did you get baptized? Did you join church? Not that you stopped drinking, stopped cussing, all that stuff. Christ liveth in you. Does he? You sing, Brother George, you need to come, you come. Come, dear friend. My heart's desire that everyone in this room knows Christ. And Christ lives in you. Please, my friend. Please come to Christ. So that Christ can dwell in you. Please. That he can reside. He can live. He can dwell. He makes his house. Please. Please consider Jesus this morning. Please. Please, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Blessed be your name. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you for truth this morning concerning your salvation. We pray if there's anybody lost this morning without God, Christ, don't dwell in them. I pray, Lord, just save them before it's too late. God, I pray you bring us back tonight at 6 o'clock as we will preach the word of God once again. God, fill our hearts today with, with you, and God, anoint us with your spirit. Lead and guide us as we go home. May Christ be honored in everything we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church.
to be.